0: In this week's episode, I'm joined by Cherie Crosby-Wheeler, who is VP of Global Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Fossil Group. This week, our conversation is about universities nixing legacy admissions, indeed supporting employees affected by anti-trans legislation, and more. Hey there, my name is Bernadette Smith. Welcome to Five Things in 15 Minutes, my weekly show where I bring good vibes to DEI. That is good vibes to diversity, equity, and inclusion with a little dash of corporate social responsibility. What I found is that there are lots of news stories about what's going wrong in the world and lots of negative data, but there are also a lot of things going right. That's what I like to focus on. I search for DEI stories that we can be inspired by and learn from. My hope is to inspire you to experiment with some of these inclusive actions and policies within your own organization to help you build a more inclusive world. Let's get started. Cherie, will you please introduce yourself?
1: Yes. Um, and thank you, Bernadette. Thank you for the the brief intro and thank you for having me on your show. Um, I think it's a great idea to balance kind of what you hear is um, so many negative things with some good things because then people won't, <laughs> you know, just fall into to despair because they know there's, there's always hope um, as long as we're here, as long as we're moving forward. So again, my name is Cherie Crosby-Wheeler and I was most recently at Fossil Group, uh, Vice President of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. Um, And there I was tasked with um, strengthening the DEI strategy of Fossil Group and really getting it going and rolling. Before that, so I've been practicing DEI for the last eight years or so. And before that, I was an employment lawyer um, which is still in my near and dear to my heart. I just, I really enjoy employment law um, and I practice employment law for over a decade. I'm still licensed as, a, as an attorney. So I still keep up with everything that's going on, including some of the most recent changes in the law um, here in the United States. But um, that is my career in a nutshell.
0: Wow. I did not know that about you, Shree, that you were an employment attorney. Well, we'll have to spend a little bit of extra time on that one five thing later today (laughs) coming up about uh, legacy admissions and affirmative action. Wow. So tell me a little bit about all in all of the work that you've done, especially in your most recent position, what type of experiences are, are giving you hope? What's giving you the ability to sort of look for the bright side when things are seem to be backsliding?
1: I think um, one of the things that really gives me hope and, and and frankly keeps me doing this work because, you know, a lot, you could just like get on the off ramp <laughs> if you would like. But what keeps me um, doing the work is there are a lot of organizations, despite what you hear, and a lot of people that are still very committed to what diversity, equity, and inclusion means, what it is, what it can be, how it can enrich our lives, and you hear that um, each and every day just speaking to employees speaking to organizations so that's what really keeps me committed and staying in the work because there's a lot of people that are despite anything that you might hear there are I, mean, I can't even i can't even emphasize that enough how much there are people who care about fairness care about equality care about equity care about justice care about everyone being able to be their best and do their best in the world
0: Thank you so much for saying that, because uh, I think the the crib notes there is uh, don't read the headlines. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like glance at those, L- know that that's out there, but keep pressing forward. Yeah. Yes,
0: exactly. Because I, I know in my work, I talk to so many really well-meaning people who, sure, sure, they need some direction, of course, right? I think we all have plenty to learn, but I really appreciate that there is movement, that there is intention. So thank you for saying that.
1: Yeah. And can I, can I say one more quick little thing? Um, there was a practitioner in Tarn. I cannot remember her name, but I saw her and she um, highlighted this quote and it just, I keep thinking about it. And it says that a DEI practitioner's work, our work is not measured in quarters. When you think about a company, our, our work is measured in generations. So we may not even see the end result of what our work has done and and, and what the seeds that we have sown, but they're there. So I just always remember that it's measured in generations, not just quarters.
0: I appreciate that. That's a good reminder for all of us. Mic drop moment right there. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, part of what I wrote about last week was how I um, was presenting findings of a DEI analysis to a client. And one of the things that I like to emphasize and we as a firm really, really focus on is the company's values. And in this case, this was an organization whose one of their guiding principles that's been around for years is we value diversity and we actively seek people with different perspectives and experiences. Now, this is a, a company without a DEI committee, without DEI pillars, without ERGs, without anything. And they have that statement, right, as part of their guiding principles. And I think that a lot of companies have something that still has to do with people in their principles or in their values. And I think that it's just so important to emphasize that. I mean, you've been on the inside. Tell me a little bit about your experience tying DEI to values.
1: Yeah, so I think a lot of times when you're trying to get everybody on the same page about what it is that you're doing tying it to the values that's crucially important and like you said there are a lot of companies that have pieces of dni embedded in their values already even if they're not doing anything if they think they're not doing anything it's already there so that foundation is already there it's already laid so for instance at Fossil Group um, and at my previous employers, whenever I would put together kind of I called it a DEI 101. Again, trying to get everybody on the same page about what definitions are we working with and what does DEI mean at this organization? I always included values in there so that people could make that connection with DNI. Here's our values, here's what DNI means. Hey, look at how those two meet. Look where they intersect. Um, and sometimes that's an uh-huh. For people. For some people like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, that is something important to us. Um, and then I'll always too, sometimes you'll have individuals that may say, well, no, or try to pull back a little bit. And I'm like, well, hey, here's our values. Remember, this is what our values say that what we're about and what we want to do. And so you, that, that anchoring it to the values is so important.
0: I, yes. And it's great for the resistors. Mm-hmm. It's already mm-hmm. there. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Well, let's move into this week's five things. Now, the first story is about the new Barbie movie, which I have yet to see. Um, I saw it.
1: Yeah. What do you think? It was, we were like, what is going on? (laughs) There was a lot happening in that movie, but also some good messages.
0: Well, let's talk about the representation because Barbie's and Mattel has been a really fantastic company in terms of representation amongst the dolls over the years. So let's talk about a little bit about the representation in the movie. Fill me in.
1: Yeah, so um, I think they did a really great job of... Showing how Barbie has evolved over the years. I know that's not how Barbie started, but in the movie, you could just see all these different types of people, different abilities, different backgrounds, different things. Like, and, and it was, they were all Barbies. It's so funny because hi Barbie, hi Barbie, hi. Barbie. <laughs> they kept saying hi, Barbie to each other, but they were all different types of Barbies and kins as well. And I just I think, and then in the movie, also the the main character, America Ferreira, she was in there. And 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 that was probably intentional uh with the filmmakers to have again more representation because and the main Barbie, she was called stereotypical Barbie. I thought that was so interesting. Um I but then watching the movie, I was just like, there's a lot going on. I, <laughs> I <didn't laughs> there was singing, there's dancing, there's there were some things that were just fantastical, but I'm glad that it's doing well. I I wondered if it would, but you know, the the theater was full and it wasn't just, it wasn't just women. Although I read a stat that said it was mainly women who went like 60% or something, but it wasn't just women. There were men there as well. So, and I was sitting beside a gentleman and he was just laughing in some of the little inside jokes and little points that were made. He just laughed and laughed. I said, okay, he's getting it.
0: That's great.
1: Yeah. I
0: appreciate that it's sort of taking, uh, you know, it's sort of spoofing not just the product and its origination, but also showing its its uh, evolution through time mm-hmm. and also having this sort of feminist agenda. Uh, I think it's, I, I can't wait to see it.
1: Yes. It's, 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 you should see it. It's worth going to see. And I think they, you know, have broken records them and Oppenheimer together, just two movies coming out at the same time. Usually one beats the other one really bad. And they said, no, not this time. They both did. And I was like, wow, they both did well. So, We
0: don't often get movie reviews here on Five Things. (laughs) So thank you so much, Cherie. Okay. um, the (laughs) The second story this week comes from a bunch of companies like Fannie Mae and Cisco, which are now offering grandparent leave as an employee benefit to keep their older employees around. So that's paid time off upon the birth or
1: adoption of a grandchild. What do you think about this? I think that's outstanding. I think that's amazing um, that those organizations are recognizing that people are in different phases of their lives and, you know, age being one of the dimensions of diversity and whether or not you have children or, or grandchildren or adopted other dimensions of diversity. So the, those companies, whoever is in working on diversity, equity, and inclusion there, kudos to them, because I think that's, that's amazing. And I think, I think to hear something like that come out, and again, that evolution of d there are people who would never connect that to diversity and equity and inclusion. They wouldn't even think that that's what it was because they have one set. And so you have to have things like that. You have to have benefits like that and stories like that for people to say, oh, that falls under that umbrella. Yes, it does. And there are people, practitioners who are sitting at these companies, at least the companies that don't have them, who are trying to think of things of this nature that will attract that workforce, that will keep that workforce. Um, I'm not a grandparent yet, but I'm like, wow, that sounds great that I, you know, I would have lead that's specific to being able to, you know, be a grandparent and moving into that stage of your life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I do think it's really important to to remember and remind us all that diversity means everyone. And if we leave people out, then we're gonna pay for it later. We have to involve everyone in this conversation. So absolutely, these are benefits that can really support all different types of other intersecting identities as well. Right. Okay, third story comes from Wesleyan, MIT, Amherst, at Carnegie Mellon and other colleges which have eliminated legacy admissions following the Supreme court's decision to strike down affirmative action. So legacy admissions is the practice of giving preferential admission status to the children of alumni and it perpetuates inequality and lack of diversity.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that (laughs) I've been reading about that as well. And I think The initial reaction of a lot of people um, is like, yeah, you know, do away with legacy admissions as well. And so I'm like, okay, that that is one reaction. And then I've heard a couple of people who said, well, then also for the individuals um, who may not have gone to those colleges and underrepresented populations, if they go. And then now their children will not have the benefit of legacy admissions. So it's like, okay, you, you got to think through it. And I, and I don't know what the answer is. I'm I'm glad I'm not sitting and having to make that decision. I don't know what the answer is. But it's, you know, it's something to, I guess, something to try. And I think what's um, giving me hope and, and kind of buoying me is even though affirmative action, for the most part, in a lot of places, is is done with, then you can look at other things to, again, try to diversify those student bodies. So it's going to cause people to say, okay, what else can we look at to make sure that our student body what other, you know, items and things, indicators can we look at to make sure that our student body is diverse? You know, did, did a student have to work during high school? That might speak to socioeconomic status or might speak to some something that they've overcome. And, you know, in addition to going to school. And so then do we allow these students in because we know that, you know, they're hard workers or they can overcome things. So I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of, you know, just hopeful about the whole situation.
0: I am too. You know, we'll see what happens. There have been a few other uh, colleges that have announced free tuition like Duke and Princeton for students with lower incomes or with parents with lower incomes. So hopefully we'll start to see more of that. Um, but, you know, whatever whatever creative ideas colleges and universities come, come up with to exceed uh, even the current levels of, right. of, of diversity, of course, we'll talk about it here on five things. So yeah. stay, stay tuned. <laughs> All right. The fourth story this week comes from Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, a Greek life first here in five things, which made history by incorporating its own credit union for members only. It's the first black owned, women owned, sorority based digital banking institution in the US, empowering members to control their finances and build economic wealth.
1: Yes, I saw that story too. You're on top of all the stories. Um, and that that really made me smile. So I am a member of a different sorority, <laughs> but it, it doesn't matter because we're all a part of Divine Nine. Um, that's what it's called, um, which is historically um, African-American sororities and fraternities that have a long legacy in history. So to see that Alpha Kappa Alpha did that, I was just like, Absolutely. Kudos to them. Um, I think that's wonderful. I think that, you know, speaks to impacting the community and building economic and generational wealth. And so, you know, hopefully there are a bunch of fast followers that are coming behind, um, including my sorority. Um, And so I I thought that was just a wonderful story and and kudos to, to Alpha Kappa Alpha.
0: You know, I appreciate that they're sort of taking matters into their own hands. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead mm-hmm. of waiting for the big banks, they have to figure out and instead of waiting for equity. Right.
1: Right. Absolutely. And then I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say what my sorority was. Delta Sigma Theta. <laughs> Delta Sigma Theta sorority, which this um, this week, by the way, we had our national convention and uh, Supreme Court Justice um, Katanji. Brown, she was admitted to our sorority. So we're super excited about that.
0: Wow. That is very exciting. Yes. Celebrating here on five things. Okay, cool. All right. The last story this week comes from the company indeed, which has a new benefit to support us employees affected by legislation, limiting access to gender affirming services or threatening action for supporting non gender non-conforming trans and non-binary children. So these impacted employees will be allowed to relocate to a safer location without restrictions with a $10,000 relocation expense budget and salary adjustments based on the new location. So with anti-LGBTQ, anti-trans legislation, Indeed is saying, hey, we want to keep you safe.
1: Yeah, I saw I saw that one as well, and I think again you found you found really good stuff. I mean, I think kudos to to Indeed for recognizing that again. And that speaks to DEI practitioners. Um, I think the lady who is at Indeed, mm, I don't want to say the wrong name, so I won't say. But whoever is the the practitioner running DEI there, I'm sure they had something to do with this. And I think it's wonderful to support employees in this way, to do what a company can um, when legislation has has gone in a way that's against the values of the organization. So the company's saying, well, here's what we can do. And we're gonna continue to support employees in the way that we can. So It's just critically important for practitioners, DEI practitioners, to continue to be mindful, to listen to podcasts like yours, to know what's going on so that you can stay on top of things, learn new things about, okay, here's what we can do. Okay, we can't do that, but we can do this. So it's critically important to just stay on top of those things. And I, I say, again, kudos to Indeed. That is amazing. I hope that, you know, employees are able to take advantage of it because to move, we all know that's a big deal. <laughs> that's a big deal to just uproot your family and go, but for the employees that need it um, and they would like to take take advantage of the benefit, I hope that they are able to do so.
0: Yes, me as well. I mean, here in Illinois, we are getting people from all over the, the region. So Kentucky, uh, Missouri, Tennessee, they're, and they're all coming here for affirming they're coming here for reproductive coverage. Yeah. And and care. And so it's um it's
1: not so much in my state. Yeah. <laughs> I right. live in Texas. Um, not so much. Um, and so you know, I, I I could understand if there are individuals that are leaving Texas going other places because it's, you know, that's not the case. The the legislature has, has chosen differently. Yeah. Um and so people have to do what they have to do.
0: Yes. So thank goodness for companies like Indeed, which are filling in those gaps to take care of their people. Absolutely. All right, Cherie, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest. Um, how can folks keep in touch with you or get in touch with you?
1: Well, uh, my favorite social media platform, LinkedIn, this for nerds. <laughs> That's where I, I'm i on there every day. I I respond to connection requests. I respond to messages, when, especially people who want to talk about DE&I. So that's where people can mainly find me. That's where I hang out.
0: Awesome. Well, if you are on LinkedIn, then I'm sure you follow Mita Malik. So that's this week's call to action. Follow Mita Malik on LinkedIn and check out her Brown Table Talk podcast for awesome career and workplace advice. Thank you so much for being a wonderful guest today,
1: Sheree. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to spend a little time with you talking five good things about DNI. Yes,
0: my pleasure. My pleasure. And if you don't already get the Five Things newsletter, you can subscribe at fivethingsdei.com. Thank you for listening to Five Things in 15 Minutes. I hope you found yourself inspired by at least one of this week's stories. If you did, would you mind sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform? And if you don't already get my 5 Things newsletter, join at 5thingsdei.com. I'm Bernadette Smith, and I'll see you next week right here for 5 Things in 15 Minutes, bringing good vibes to DEI.